Praise God. Well, I'm going to tell you right now as you turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 3 that the intention and our time that we have together is to go to Jesus. And, and what I mean by this is what, I'm just going to say this right up front. If we have this idea of ourselves like we've got it all together, I, I'm going to tell you right now, you're going to miss what I had to say if you're a perfect person. How many perfect people we have here today? Okay, good, good. I got the right audience. Because what we're going to share as we continue this series, People of the Gospel, it's for desperate people. It's people who need the King. And I'm just praying that God does something powerful. So, Father, over the next few minutes that we have together, as your word is shared, may you do what I can't do. May your Holy Spirit convict and open the eyes and open the ears. Dear God, I pray that you, would, that you would even anoint me as I share, dear God. But I don't want to just be speaking under your anointing. I'm praying that your anointing would touch every person here. I believe, God, that there are people that are desperate for you, but they don't even know where to turn and how to get to you. I'm praying that those souls would find you today. Dear God, there are people that we've got our act all together when it comes to the facade, but God, we're jacked up and we know it. And, and Father, I'm praying that you would just peel away any barrier that we've put in the way of us hearing the gospel. And I'm praying that today your word would take root and for what you're going to do and for the fruit that will come, we're going to give you the glory. And it's in Jesus, our Savior's name, we pray. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Now, I've got a quick question for you. How many of you, and I, I listen, you guys have to be honest, okay? Listen, we're in, we are in church. You got to be honest. How many of you at some point got in trouble in school? Let me see your hands. I knew who I was talking to. I know my crowd, man. I just, I'm right here with you. How many, well, actually, you don't have to answer this, but you ever been to court? <laughs> okay, somebody just raise your hand like, yeah, man, I'm going all in on this. <laughs> been to court. You know, and, and, and here's the thing. You, you get in trouble and you know that the outcome is totally out of your hands. You've done the crime Whatever that happened to be, you are busted and you know it. And so the only thing you have is just you're, you're waiting on, on, on hearing from the person, whether it's the principal, the teacher, the, uh, the parent, the judge. They have all of the power. Whatever they say, it's going to matter. It's going to matter. Literally, what happens next is in their hands. There's a very important word that we're going to talk about today that is a legal term. And it's, it's, it's a term that we're going to see here in Romans chapter 3, and this, this word is justification. Now, it's going to show up, and it's one of those words, it's, it, like I said, it's a legal term. We don't use this normally in everyday you know, bantering or, or conversation. But it's very important that we understand this as we continue the series on, on becoming people of the gospel. So in the first two messages, we looked at Romans chapter 1, Romans chapter 2, and here's what we've discovered after the last two weeks. We're all jacked up, all right? We are messed up. Doesn't matter, doesn't matter if, you're, if you're a Gentile, if you're a Jew. What, what we saw is, man, we are all messed up. All right, we got, we got our problems. And, and so right now, you know, listen, you're here. No perfect people are in this room. We all have our issues. Now, now here's the thing. We, we've got this sin problem, right? So is there a solution for this? Is there, is there another side of this? Or is, is Paul just going to keep us in this holding pattern of, hey, you guys are jacked up? 
Well, thank God, he did, he, that's, that's the first two chapters. We get into chapter 3, and here's what we read beginning in verse 21. But now, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. And let me just pause here. There were 613 laws that the Jews had that they felt they, they had to measure up to those 613 laws. If, if you blew it, you knew you were unclean. You had to go back to, you had to, you know, make sacrifice if you, if you, you know, messed up one of those laws. Well, he, he's saying there's, there's something new. There's a righteousness apart from the law. But he doesn't stop there. He says, for there is no distinction, verse 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I want you to turn to the person next to you and say, you are a sinner. Go ahead and just get out of here. Tell them, you are a sinner. Some of you have been wanting to say this for a really long time. Now, I want you to turn to the other person that you don't like as well. I want you to I want you to tell them, I'm a sinner too. Go ahead, just tell them. Listen, it is good. Confession is good for the soul here today. Now, I want to pause here. The reason I'm doing this little exercise, it's really good for us to hear you're a sinner. It's good for us to admit we are a sinner. It gives us proper perspective. Once again, we cannot understand or appropriate what God has for us unless we first understand who we are. This is why Paul writes, there is no distinction for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, but he doesn't put a period there. He puts a comma. I love the fact that there is a comma there because the sentence continues and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put for forward as a propitiation by his blood. Hold on, big word alert. What's propitiation? Literally means that Jesus took our place on the cross, the wrath that we should have deserved. He took the wrath. There's that it just, he literally became our substitute. And it's like, well, why didn't he just use the word? Listen, don't argue with Paul. He's, he wrote this, I didn't. Propitiation, okay? Very important. We should have received the wrath. We didn't. Jesus did this for us. That's why this is really, really important. We're going we're gonna to break this down. God put him forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. Faith in what? Faith in what Christ did. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. He could have punished them as soon as they were committed, but he didn't. He had mercy. I've, I've talked about mercy. It's God's invisible blessings. It's when he withholds something we should have received. I love this. His mercies are new. If you're here today, you just experience God's mercies. His mercies are new every morning in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just because they're, they're, God's not just if he says there's to be punishment for sins and then he doesn't punish them. He can't be just. But it says that, that th this is really important. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just, but at the same time also the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus then what becomes of our boasting? It's excluded. By what kind of law? By a law of works? No. But by the law of faith, Paul makes his big assessment. 
or assumption, and it's, it's huge. And I say assumption, it's, it's big for all of us. It's, th- this is where, you know, he, he lays this out. This is where our faith is grounded. Look at verse 28. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. So I, I want you to listen to me this morning. This, what we're going to talk about, this term justification, is really, really, really important as we, as we understand what it means to become people of the gospel. We have to understand this aspect of the gospel. What, 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 we're, what uh, the Apostle Paul is writing to us is huge. He, he's just really summarized the entire message of the Bible right here. And, and, and so what, what he's done is he's, he's broke this down. He's given us all the essential elements of salvation. Everything, we've looked at the first two chapters, we're messed up. He's given us everything, all those essential elements of salvation to make us right. To make us right. This is huge. And so I want to boil this down to, to one phrase. If you're taking notes, this is, this is going to be my big point that, that everything's going to center around, okay? So I want to make sure we grasp this. Here's my big point. We are freely justified by faith through the blood of Christ, okay? Let me say it again. We are freely justified by faith through the blood of Christ, now, this morning, I know that I'm going to have to do some explaining here because I'm using terms that we don't, we just not, we don't always hear these terms, so I want to make sure that we understand this. So you got to know, my goal this morning is not so much to be inspirational as, I, mean, I just want to be very clear and practical. Like, when we leave, I don't, I don't want anybody to leave and say, oh, that was an incredible message. I want people to leave and say, man, we got an incredible Savior. That's, that's what I want to be, the point of what we're doing here today. I want us to understand that we are freely justified by faith through the blood of Jesus Christ. We're going to look at justification. We're going to look at three questions. Why do I need it? What is it? And the third question is going to be, how do I receive it? So let's just dive right in. Let's look at the first question. Why do I need justification? So, so let's begin with the first couple of, of, of verses here that, that we have, verse 21, 22. We, we see that there is a righteousness of God that we don't naturally have. It's a righteousness of God that we need. And so, so to make sure, I'm not sure we even understand fully the term righteousness. And so let, let, me, let me define that real quick. I, I like how Timothy Keller puts it because he breaks it down where I can get it. He says, righteousness is a validating performance record that opens doors. Righteousness is a validating performance record that opens doors. And so we're gonna, let's, let's talk about this. Like if you, um, if you go to graduate school, when they, when, when, before they accept you, what is it that they're going to want to see? They're going to look at your academic records. How would you do in college? How would you do, you know, how, you know what, what have you done? Uh, you know, what, what, what's that look like? Um, okay, when you go get a loan, you're going to, you know, buy a house that costs like $1.7 million in Nampa anymore or Caldwell. That's like a mobile home right now. Good grief, what's going on with that? Okay, so, you, so you're going to go, go mortgage your grandchildren's future on this uh, trailer you're going to buy, okay? When you, when you go get the loan, what are they going to look at? Look at your credit score. What, what, what have you done with your money? Where, where are you currently? What are the decisions you've made? When you apply for a job, what are they going to want to see? Your resume. What have you done? Where have you been? 
What have you achieved? Man, it's weird. If we think about this, think about it. About almost every area of life, it's all performance-based, right? I mean, for, for us to move forward, for us to take steps, what, whatever, it's, it's almost like we're, we're, we have to present some form of validation for who I am and all this. And so here's, here's what we know with resumes, transcripts, credit reports, all of this. We present them. And what we say when we present them is like, hey, I'm worthy of this. Accept me. I'm, I'm good enough. See, it's right here on paper. And what we know is if they agree with that, that we're good enough with what's on paper, we will be accepted. And, and, and so what happens is with God, we do the same thing. In fact, nearly every religion, nearly every culture everywhere in the world, we all assume it's the same way with God. Except we don't, we don't bring our, our transcripts or, or our academic record or credit report or anything like that. We, what, what do we do? We, we bring our moral record. You leave out the part about you being bad in school and all that, you know, that we admitted to. We leave that part out. We, we like, hey, look, God, I'm, I'm good enough. Accept me. I'm, I'm worthy of this. But what we're reading here is actually pretty radical because Paul's coming along saying, whoa, whoa, hold on a second. No, that's not it. In fact, what I want you to understand is for the first time in history, there's this absolutely unheard of spirituality. There's a totally unheard of approach to God that's been revealed. It's more than good righteousness. It's perfect righteousness. And you don't have perfect righteousness. Like, like I've heard guys talk about their spouse or, you know, uh, women talking about their husbands. Like, he is the perfect guy. And I just, I just uh, sat down with the couple that's going to get married. And, and I'm like, so, so what are, you know, why are you getting married? He is the perfect guy. No, he's not. I'm going to tell you right now. He is not. Right? There, there's like not a single guy in this room who's like, yeah, that's me. I'm the perfect guy. No. No. And, and guys, I know that you like get the card from Walmart like the night before your wife's uh, birthday or Valentine's Day and you underline all the words that say perfect in there, but you're not married to a perfect wife. Got a little cool breeze in there, but, it, but what, you, you know what I'm saying. And so this is, this is why the Apostle Paul, man, he's, he's like, we, we got an issue here. Good righteousness is not enough. It's perfect righteousness. But he said for the very first time, there is a perfect righteousness available, but what you have to understand, it's not your righteousness, it's not my righteousness, it's the righteousness of Christ. And what, what, what we just read here is I get to receive this righteousness as a gift. And literally what Paul is saying is this righteousness of Christ is the end of this ongoing struggle we have to validate ourselves. Because we're all, I'll guarantee you, all of us have insecurities of some, some way, and all, all of us are trying to compensate for those insecurities in, in some way, right? So, so athletes, they go out on, you know, on, on the field, they got to perform it. You want to get that scholarship, you got to perform. I mean, there's like baseball tournaments going on in, 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 in town, and like every parent's convinced that their kid's going pro. And, and so, man, we're, we're investing all these hundreds and, and thousands of dollars, but, but, but here's, here's the deal. Here's the deal. We got to go out on the field and let's see if we are who we say we are. Athletes try to, you know what? Parents try to do it by raising perfect kids. Your kids aren't perfect. I don't care what that bumper sticker says about your kids on A honor roll. Like, I, I, dude, I literally, 
I, this is not my notes, man. I'm like rolling. Um, I saw a bumper sticker that said the other day, it's like, my kid can beat up your A honor roll kid. And I thought, wow, somebody was just saying what every other pair is like, you know, I was like, yeah, my kid's done. You know, that's what we're saying. Now, we're, we even try with our kids. We, man, we try to raise them because we're going to validate our existence. If we raise good kids, that means we're good parents. So when our kids like do something stupid in church, we like freak out because like, I'm a terrible parent. No, you're not. Can I just tell you, moms that feel like you can't do anything right, it's okay. Kids are kids. They're like evil little carnal beings, okay? Just <laughs> accept it. You're okay. There's no such thing. as part of, this, is why, this is why Paul writes this. We're not good enough. And yet, and yet God's done something for us. He ends the struggle. I, you know, I remember uh, a few years ago, this was after Nick Saban and, and Al University of Alabama had won like their 72nd national championship or what. I hate Alabama. I'm just telling you right now, they, like Alabama, uh, dude, I'm getting like amens on that. Yeah, I, like Alabama and the New England Patriots are like on the same, I just, whatever. <laughs> you guys, we got to read more Bible here. Um, no, I was seeing, I, I saw an interview with Nick Saban. They just won the championship, raised the trophy, and the, the reporter, the sideline reporter came up, stuck the mic in his face, and she asked the question. She said, Nick, how long are you going to be able to enjoy this victory? And I, I, I kid you not, here's what Nick said. Nick said, oh, probably for another 45 minutes, an hour. He said, I'm going back to the office tonight, start planning for next year. Because you know what? Your performance is never enough. Your kid's achievement is not enough for you to validate you as a good parent. That promotion at work is not enough. We have to keep validating. Wow, what is this? I need more. I need more. I need more. And here's what Paul says. What Jesus offers is enough. This is powerful. In Acts chapter 1, when we read of Jesus ascending back to heaven after his work on the cross, after his death, after his resurrection, what do we read later Jesus doing when he ascended back to heaven? How is he described? He sat down. Why did he sit down? His work on the cross and his resurrection was enough. It was enough. But wait, I've got, my, I've got my performance record. No, hey, let me show you. I've got this Facebook post of, of what I did yesterday. Like when I gave the guy the money, I got a, like a selfie of both of us. Look, God. No, no. Jesus' work is enough for all people everywhere for all time, forever. Amen. You know why we need justification? Because my righteousness on my best day is never enough. My righteousness on my best day is never enough. And this is why Paul is saying, but now there is a righteousness that has been revealed that is apart from the law, apart from your performance. This is powerful, church. Which brings me to my next question. We've answered why do we need it. Now, let's ask the question, what is it? What is justification? Well, let me just first of all say this. Justification is more than merely forgiveness. 
Justification is more than forgiveness. Because forgiveness means that we're no longer guilty and liable to punishment. Okay, so think back to when you're in the courtroom. So let's, let's just assume that you're sitting in a courtroom or you're sitting in the principal's office and you know that you did it, all right? You might even be saying you didn't do it, but like, you know, you know, all right? You did it. And so when, when the judge or the principal or whatever says that, here's what we're going to do, we actually don't believe you did it, or just, they just say, we're going to let you off the hook, there's this overwhelming sense of relief. You walk out of the office, and there, there's no punishment. What, what, what did you just receive in that moment? You received grace. One of my favorite illustrations of this, it comes from my Man, from when I was a, a kid, I was probably in my early teens, my, my dad had bought our first, like the first newer vehicle we'd ever owned. And he bought a 1986 Lincoln Continental. It's literally the size of an aircraft carrier. And the thing was massive, two football fields long. And so, so he, my dad loved that car, took care of that car. And like every night, I'm like, hey, Dad, can I pull the car into the garage? Can I drive the car and pull the car in the garage? And he's like, no. And so the next night, hey, Dad, can I pull the car in the garage? No. And I, I mean, like, he, I was not discouraged by his no. I just kept asking. I'm like, can I go? Can I, can I, can I, can I, can I? No, 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 and no. One day I finally warmed down. It was a Saturday. I still remember. He had just finished washing and waxing his pride and joy. And I said, Dad, can I pull the car in the garage? He's like, okay but be careful. I just washed and waxed it. I'm like, yes. So I get in and I adjust my seat. And I'm like, gonna like go like eight feet, but I still adjusted the seat, turned on the radio, <laughs> loud. I mean, this is, this is it, man. And I put into driving. And we had this, like you, you would pull, we had a, a gravel driveway uh, there in Indiana, we had a big uh, tractor tire that somebody converted into a sandbox. And, and so we, my, my dad always backed the car into the garage, so we would pull forward, and I knew that as soon as I got to a certain part of the, I could see the certain part of that tractor tire, it was time to put it in reverse and back up. So, man, pulled forward, it was excellent, put it in reverse, I'm backing up, and I mean, I'm paying attention, because it's pretty narrow get, getting through there, and I'm, I'm especially looking over here on the passenger side to make sure I'm not hitting anything, everything's good, everything's good, and I just hear that noise. And in, in, in my attention to the passenger side, I hadn't been paying enough attention over there. And, and literally right at the front of the driver's side door, I'd gone in at too much of an angle and I caught it. And, and there's, I, I pull forward and get out and there's a dent. And, and, and so you're like, okay, what did you do? Well, I started planning how to get away to Saudi Arabia or something like that. Whatever was going to go. With, I'm just freaking out. Well, my parents, their, their room was actually right off the garage, and normally, you know, we just go right in and from the car, and so I finally parked the car, and I go in, and normally, you know, I go in. This time, I knocked. That was not a good sign. Like, <laughs> knock. So my, my dad opens the door. My opening line, man, is just like, like, kids, if you ever do this, don't use this as your opening line. Learn from Pastor Keith, the voice of experience. I, I'm like, Hey, Dad, you know your car? That is the worst <laughs> opening line of all time. Dad, you know your car? And, and uh, my dad's like, 
what's wrong? And I'm like, man, dad, and then I just broke. I'm so sorry, man, I just backed it in and put a dent in there. And, uh, and I, am, I literally am waiting for the wrath of the Father to be revealed. And I've tried to explain grace. Is, okay, grace is, is like in that situation where, where your dad steps out and, dude, he puts you in his arms like, whoa, 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 hold on, hold on. Listen, you're not the first, not going to be the last. I've got this. Now, you're not going to back the car in for a while, but listen. It's okay. I forgive you. Isn't forgiveness a beautiful thing? Now, that's not what my dad did. He literally tried to kill me in that moment, and so I had to run for my life. But so, Dad, if you're watching, I'm just throwing you into the bus there. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I, I, I look at this. There's something beautiful about forgiveness where forgiveness says you can go. You're not facing the wrath. But I want you to catch this. Justification's more than that. Justification is the bestowal of status, rights, and benefits. If, if forgiveness is saying you can go, you don't have to face the wrath. It just, let's, let's use this legal context here. It's the judge saying you can go, you're not, you don't have to pay a penalty. It's like the judge actually goes another step and says, actually, what I want to do, I want to take it a step further. I actually want to adopt you. In fact, what I'm going to do, it's not like you were arrested. I'm actually expunging. I'm actually going to act like the sin never took place. As far as I'm concerned, this never took place. And what's more, I'm actually going to adopt you. You're now my son. In fact, you came in here expecting to get punished by the court. I'm actually adopting you. You're coming to my house tonight. And by the way, I'm like a multimillionaire. I'm actually going to pay for that trailer that you put the loan on. I've got you covered. And you're like, whoa, no, 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 no. I, I can't do that. I don't deserve that. You don't. We don't. That's the beauty of justification. It's more than forgiveness. It's, it's more than saying you can go. You don't have to face the wrath. It's saying you can come. I've given you everything. Is that beautiful or what? This, this is the gospel. There's the forgiveness aspect, but there's also this justification. You, you, you know, you've walked into Costco before, right? I mean, we got, we got some people who work at Costco here. And you have the person checking to make sure you have your, your card. Do you have the card? You walk in, you got to show them the card. A couple years ago, two or three years ago, uh, Pastor Brian and I were in uh, Atlanta, and the NRA convention was being held there. We had no idea. We were just in there for a conference. We had a, a day to kill before we flew back home. And somehow, I looked on the news like, hey, President Trump was speaking at the NRA convention. So I'm like, hey, Brian, let's go over to the NRA convention. He's like, are you a member? I'm like, no. And he's like, well, we, don't have, we can't get in. I'm like, dude, let's just see how far we can go before somebody asked us for, uh, for our credentials. So we did. We, like, we walked in, and literally, man, we're yucking it up with like security and all that sort of thing. And, and we walked, we, we got to like exhibit halls, we got to all different places, and people are showing like credentials to get in, and we just kind of walk in, we're talking and laughing. We just, we, it was amazing, except we got up to the door where President Trump was speaking. And so the door had opened. We were with a crowd of people, and they were walking through. And so they're, they're flashing their, their creds. And so uh, Brian and I, just, we just keep walking, man. And, and there, I, I still remember there was a security guard there, and he, he was a lot bigger than the other security guards. <laughs> and Brian was ahead of me, 
And he just put out his arm like that and just pulled us back like this. And he said, hey, I want to see your credentials. And we knew we didn't have them. We're like, yeah, we don't have any. He's like, then you're not getting in. No credentials, no access. And so we found out how far you can get at the NRA convention without <laughs> credentials. So we kind of joked and let, you know, it was like, hey, now, now we know. We had a, we had a great time. But uh, here's the interesting thing about justification. God is saying, I literally am giving you every single thing you need. If anybody ever challenges you, we're going to see this later in our series in rooms. If anybody ever challenges you, you know what you're going to show them? You're not going to show them your transcript. You're not going to show them your resume. You know what you have? You have the perfect righteousness of Jesus Christ who literally went to the cross and took a wrath that you should have deserved. He became sin so that you could know forgiveness and you could be freely justified. Church, we are freely justified through faith, by faith, through Christ's blood. I'm telling you guys, this is one of the most incredible things. But, but can I tell you this, that justification is more than moral goodness. You know, a lot of times we, we think it's all about morality. We think that it's, it's, you know, it's all about our moral goodness. It's not. Justification is not our moral goodness. It's not our performance record. And, and, and here's what I've seen across the years is there's a lot of people that go to church. We're moral people. We're moral people. And so we're like, we, we equate, you know, we equate morality with all this, you know, our goodness is like, man, I haven't had any moral failures. I haven't cheated on my wife. I haven't beat my kids. I haven't stolen from, from the company. Being good is the same thing as being saved, except it's not. It's not the same thing as being saved. There are a lot of good people that aren't saved. Morality has nothing to do. You know who it is that God justifies? If you flip the page, you go to Romans chapter four, verse five, it tells us God justifies the ungodly. And until we can actually get honest with ourselves and say, here's who I am without Christ, until we can get to the place that we stop leaning on our resume and our performance record and hear God, look, look how good I am. Until we can get to the place we understand that with, without God, we are just that, we're ungodly, we don't have a shot. But when we do understand that God justifies the, ungod, uh, the ungodly, we get it and it changes everything. Because a lot of times when, when, when we're living this life, we're being morally good. We're being morally good for a number of motivations. We're, we're trying to be morally good maybe to escape the wrath of God. We just, we're, you know, we're living in fear. We don't, you know, what, what if there is a God? What if he's going to take me out and all that sort of thing? So we can say, hey, look, God, I'm doing some good things. Well, that's a self-centered motivation. It's about just, I want to protect me. Sometimes we're morally good because we, we have this idea, if I do good, I'll get more good things. And so, so it's like, man, if I do this, man, it's a very transactional relationship. Quid pro quo. I do this for you, you do this for me. Now, that's, 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 that's not it. You know, here's, here's the crazy thing. The last thing when, to make sure we understand justification, I'll say this morning is this. We got to understand that justification is a work done for me, not a work done by me. This is huge. It's a work done for me, not a work done by me. Our only hope is to understand that God doesn't want our resume. God doesn't want our academic records. He doesn't want our credit reports. He doesn't want those Facebook posts. He does not want anything. Literally, all he wants for us to submit is like, I need you. I can't do this. And it's kind of weird because then our motivation, if you get there, and it's like, I don't deserve this. Our motivation shifts. 
our motivation is from gratitude. Like, are you kidding me right now? You did what for me? No, you can't do that for me. Man, it changes everything. It's just almost like this weird thing. As long as we think our works are good, they're never going to be good enough. When we, stop, when we stop putting confidence in our good works, then all of a sudden, man, he makes our works good. You know what I'm saying? It's, it, literally, it's a totally different thing. Our, our motivation is different. And so at the heart of, of our obedience, is not this I have to or, man, I want to earn your favor. I want to keep you happy. No, it's this sense of gratitude. I can't believe what I've been given. Not only can he say you can walk away free, he also says you can freely come. Not only can, can we know that we don't face the wrath, we can also come knowing that he loves us, he wants us, he's given us everything we need for life or godliness, as Peter says in 2 Peter 1. This is a beautiful thing. Why do I need it? What is it? That brings me to my last question. How do I receive it? How do I receive justification? And some of you, if you're quick, you're like, well, the big point right there, we're freely justified. I mean, we just, we wrote this down. You're right. But as we close, I want, I want us to make, I want to make sure we understand this because I've been here as pastor at Grace nearly 10 years, 20 years in ministry, and here's, here's what I've seen. There's a cycle that we go through. There's the cycle of, of man, we, we realize we've sinned, and so we're focused on our, our sin, but we know that there's a Father who forgives, and so we come to God and we say, forgive me. And, 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 and then, then we, we confess our sins, and he forgives, and it's like, okay, now that, now that I've forgiven, I know Jesus did this for me, now I'm going to be really good. I'm going to try really hard to live for him. And so, man, we, we get happy. We're, we're plugged in. We're happy with what we're doing. Man, we can actually now see there's a difference. People are telling us, you're not the same person. And can I tell you, that's all good. But what happens when we fail? Because we're inevitably going to fail in some way. It's not like I'm, I say that every day you got to fall. And so, no, I, no, but listen to me. Failure happens. What happens when failure happens? Based on your theology, we're going to react in a unique, some unique ways. And here's what I've seen in the cycle. The cycle is we get to this place, and what we try for a while is we just try to fake everything like everything's good. But then either we're found out or we just get sick of the trying to keep up appearances, keep all the balls in there to, and, and, you know, make our appearance look good. And so we walk. We just end up dropping off until there's a crisis that brings us back and we start the cycle again. Listen to me, church. There is more to salvation than this. Did you know there is a salvation of victory that we can have through Jesus Christ? Did you know we can be righteous? Here's what matters. It's not our righteousness. Our only hope is his righteousness. How can I be justified. Justification is received when my boast is in Christ alone. I want to I say something that might mess you up a little bit. Listen to me. I want you to start looking at your sin for a while. Now, don't go out of here saying that Key said sins don't matter and you know, we don't have to worry about, no, because sins do. But, I, but, I, but here, here's the deal. I want, I want us to, our, we're so focused with our performance that when we fail, it's, it's, it's man, we're, we're just so focused, I'm, I'm a failure. I want us to, instead of saying, what's my problem? 
I want us to ask ourselves this question. What am I boasting in? Because what I'm boasting in depends on what I'm depending on. If you're, if you're, if you're boasting in your performance, then when you blow it, you're going to be devastated. That cycle, you're going you're to cycle out. But if your boast is in Christ alone, come on now. Come on. That's, that's, man, that's, that, that, that's where there's assurance. That's where there's victory. This is why the Apostle Paul says in verse 27, then what becomes of our boasting? He says, it's excluded. It's excluded. I don't have reason to boast. Listen, I'm saved thanks to Christ's work alone. I am kept thanks to Christ's work alone. I am made righteous thanks to Christ's work. And so what we do, church, is we repent of our false righteousness, our false justification, and we boast in Christ. This is why Paul writes, a perfect righteousness is revealed apart from the law. What I love this church, it's a righteousness that comes to us. It's a righteousness that comes upon us. And ultimately, it's a righteousness that is the end of our struggle to validate our worth. It's Christ. And it's Christ alone. That's why he's worthy. I'm going to close with a word of prayer. But through this, as we've been doing each service in this series, and we're going to continue to do this, I'm going to give an opportunity to respond to the gospel because I, I genuinely don't care what other people think about us, what they think about me. Man, I want to belong to Christ. What matters is, is, is Christ. And so what, what, what I'm going to do, I'm going to pray for you in a minute. If, if you want to recommit your life to Christ, or maybe there's a time in which you've never, you've never been saved, never been justified, man, today's the, the day. I'm going to pray, and then at the end, if that's you, I'm going to have you stand. And the reason I'm going to have you stand is not to embarrass you, but, man, it's just a thing. Man, people of the gospel are not ashamed of the gospel. We go on, on record. We're going, the reason we stand is we celebrate what God's doing because I'm telling you, God's not done. So, Father, as we close this service, I want to thank you for the tremendous work that you have done, the only work that, that, that we can depend on, the work done through Jesus, thanks to Jesus' work on the cross. He became our sin for us. But because of his work, we can be saved. We can be forgiven. We can be freely justified. It's a gift. And God, we don't deserve it, but we thank you for it. So Lord, maybe there's somebody here today they have never experienced that. I'm praying that today, in some way, you would change them. You'd open their eyes. And God, even now, they'd understand and they would just call out, God, I don't got it together. I've got to have you. Father, if we're calling it out like that, that's, that's where you're going to meet us. That's the only place you're going to meet us. To God, we get rid of our performance record. And Father, we would rely on Christ's performance. And Father, today, if there's somebody that's, that's prayed that prayer or in some way they've just given themselves to you, I want to thank you for the incredible work of grace that you're doing now, not only in forgiving them from their sin, but Father, in justifying them, making them as if the sin had never happened, calling them your own for what you're going to do. We thank you for this. And God, even as we celebrate, we want you to receive the glory. We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus Christ and all God's people said, amen. All right, guys, moment of truth. Anybody here this morning, you re recommitted your life to Christ or, want to, or committed your life to Christ, I just want you to stand so we can celebrate. Anybody here this morning, just stand up wherever you are. Uh, okay, we got somebody over here. Come on, let's celebrate, man. This is what we do. Come on, anybody else? Anybody else? Man, I just want to celebrate what God's done. Woo!
Oh, man, I love this. Guys, can we stand? Here's the thing, man. I want us to go out. Our boast is not in who we are. Our boast is not in what we do. We want to go out. I want you to do some bragging. I know they don't normally tell you to do that. I want you to go out bragging, not in who you are. I want us to leave bragging on Jesus. Christ alone, that's where it's at. And so, guys, thank you for being here today. If you're watching online, great to have you. Our online campus is coming June 13th. Can't wait to see what God has in store for us. You're dismissed. We'll see you next Sunday.